Well, thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. This is Sunday, the 15th of November, 2009. We are back from uh, Blog Talk. We did uh, take up residency in Blog Talk for, I think, two, two and a half months, something like that. And I really did uh, quite enjoy it. But um, uh, it, it, there was a couple of reasons why I wanted to swap out of it. Technically, it was a challenge, though. This may not be the right time for saying it here. But um, it was... Uh, uh, the whole the whole point was to try and sort of reach out to new listenership and uh, in analyzing the visitors to the FDR site, which I do from time to time to find out where our friends are coming from. Uh, I did not find that we were getting new listenership. And, uh, you know, even with a fair amount of uh, uh, pumping the well, uh, priming the well, I suppose, uh, we didn't get more than a couple of dozen people watching live. And the downloads were pretty low and the number of people who watched it on YouTube were pretty low. So, uh, and, I, you know, I... <laughs> It's 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 not that pleasant to stand and look at a camera for two hours. I like I like to ramble. I like to roam. I like to scratch my head. Uh, let's say, and so it's really nice to um, to be uh, be invisible. And uh, so that's why we have swapped over. Uh, and uh, I'm certainly open to suggestions about um, ways that we might be able to, to improve that. But uh, I think that the Sunday show for me has always worked best in uh, in audio format. And uh, I, I also didn't like the people waiting to talk uh, thing because, um, you know, sometimes we want to get into some in-depth issues on the Sunday show and that didn't seem to work quite so well. So anyway, enough housekeeping. Um, thank you so much to the people who have uh, offered to help out with the website redesign. And um, uh, just uh, we, we have, uh, I guess I have a vague draft up and running and uh, we will continue to poke at it this week. And I would like to certainly get it swapped over by the Christmas so um, uh, please uh, uh, let me know if you wanted to help at all. Particularly what's needed is people who have even a smidgen of a visual style sense, which uh, I was born with some gifts, let's say, but uh, visual style sense was not one of them in any way, shape, or form. And so if you have skills in that area, that would be great. Flash, design, all that kind of good stuff, if you could let me know. That would be most, most, most appreciated. And so I'm not going to, uh, to, to do an introduction. I mean, I have a couple ready to roll, but um, uh, I wanted to, uh, to get caught up with a good friend, Mr. R, who's back in the, his house after uh, some time. I believe uh, he went with the clown, uh, the guy with the clown nose, up to the space station and uh, was uh, incognito or out of range for a little while. Um, are, you, are you on? Can you, can you get us caught up? What's new? Hi, Steph. Can you hear me? I uh, sure can. Okay, how's the volume? Uh, the volume is, is delicious. Okay, terrific. Um, so, how long has it been? A year and a half or so? Maybe? Yeah, because, I mean, I guess we met, it's almost two years ago that we met in Miami, right? Yep. And, yeah, that's right. And uh, you were around a little bit after that, and then, um, strange, I mean, you met, you met a, a fine woman, and in, in a prioritized, in a prioritized, in a prioritization matrix that leaves me completely baffled, you decided <laughs> to spend more time with her than with your geeky online philosophy friends. I'm not saying I understand it, I'm just saying <laughs> empirically that's what happened. Um, so I think, uh, that the time has come to justify this, this complete <laughs> I, I kind of wandered off. Oh yeah, and so and getting back to the, <laughs> sorry, while I was just talking or <laughs> <laughs> drool, drool. So um, yeah, going back to the the theme that we visited on a couple of years ago, at least 
you guys really do suck as a cult because <laughs> right. I mean, I haven't gotten one demand to return to the fold. To the I co- haven't been threatened to, to return him. Yeah, that was that was Amanda, by the way. Hello. Oh, hi. Hi. Very pleased to meet you. We've never talked. Uh, did we talk before? I can't remember. No, I don't. We think haven't that talked we before. Got right. Wrong. Oh. right. Well, but that's because you don't realize that uh, that Amanda is a grand wizard in the cult, and so you really hadn't escaped <laughs> at all. Uh, she, uh, she's the one who, when anybody looks like they're wandering, she slips into something a little more comfortable, sidles up to them, and then nabs them. Uh, that used to be me, but we found that it was really more horrifying than effective. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. That's a really tricky way to, to keep donations flowing I, it I really is it. you know if you donate i'll never come back in this outfit <laughs> take, yeah, take my pants for the love of all that's holy <laughs> yeah so uh, anyway the um i guess the last year and a half or so have gone by very quickly um you can see by my little icon in the uh, skype window that i'm i have a beard now so that's that's the only change that's happened i guess no um, sorry just for those who don't no, um, Rod. When he says he has a beard, so he doesn't mean Amanda. He's he's actually <laughs> they can't see the icon, and they know that you're a seductively sexy man, and so they just might be confused. That's all I'm saying. So, just if you could continue, I've been accused of that before. But anyway, <laughs> well, you know, you don't even have the British accent. Let me tell you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, things have gone pretty well over the last year and a half. I've been at times insanely busy with work. Um, this last summer we went camping an awful lot. I think we went out about 10 times. So lots and lots of fun doing that. Um, let's see. Mandy's been uh, reading through your books. I think she just finished Real-Time Relationships recently. Mm-hmm. And we've had discussions about that stuff, which have been really good, interesting discussions. Um, let's see. The relationship itself is generally very positive. Um, communication flows well, like better than I've ever had in any relationship before. Um, there's obviously challenges when it comes to the RTRing and stuff like that, but, um, I don't think we've ever once had an argument that gets above just disagreeing for a few minutes. So, I mean, as that goes, it's probably, well, it, it's by far the best relationship I've had ever. So that's oh, cool. I'm so thrilled. I'm so, so thrilled. Um, so please go on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, things are good. I mean, I'll let her talk for a little bit if you don't mind. Cause like, I mean, you guys have heard my voice before, but you've never heard her. So I want to make right, sure that the, I'm not uh, selling this the wrong way. <laughs> Uh, so Amanda, when you talk, do you, do you need Rod to leave the room? Like, is there any any coded messages that you want to? No, 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 <laughs> no not at all. Um, I'd have to uh, ditto on everything he said. It's probably the most, um, lack of a better word, positive and most adult relationship I've ever had. And you know, in my thirty-one years on this earth, and it's been fantastic. Um, Mm-hmm. I've learned more about myself in the last uh, year and a half just by not ignoring myself. It's been uh, mm. it's been pretty awesome. What do you mean? Sorry, just make sure I understand. Uh, not ignoring yourself. What do you mean? Um, well, I work in in general. I work in the hospitality industry, and so our my whole focus in life has always been about what other people need. 
Mm. So my career and my personal life has always been about um, other people's needs and wants and putting mine second. And with Rod, I get to put myself first. And it's been pretty fantastic. Not that I mind her putting me first. <laughs> not now. He doesn't mind the dinners. <laughs> right. I've always wanted a man with a beard. Okay. <laughs> Um, so what was it? I mean, is, is it is it different um, from other relationships that you've had in the past? Because uh, I think you were saying it was the more m- most adult relationship, which I yeah. guess is good. Um, it, I mean, I guess you knew I think fairly early on when you guys met that Rod was into philosophy, not into this site or anything like that, but into philosophy as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your reaction to that? And was there a difference that you noticed right away or was it a difference that kind of grew over time? It was pretty obvious from the front. I wasn't raised uh, with religion. I wasn't raised with um, any. Uh, what am I looking for, babe? Uh, <laughs> cultish superstitions. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Um, I won't say my family's perfect, but um, I think they are better off than most in that respect. Um, we are, or were raised, I have two younger brothers, raised to um, think for ourselves, make our own mistakes. Uh, we know that our parents are there to support us one way or the other. Um, but meeting Rod and, and being introduced to this site as well as um, a lot of the financial stuff that he goes through and the philosophies behind that, it was kind of the aha. It was, I always thought there was something a little bit off with what I was being told by mainstream, whether it be media or education or anything else, it never quite clicked. It never quite made sense. And um, uh, given the resources that Rod has access to, it's kind of opened up and finally, I guess, found my niche, found a way to, to it all put the pieces together, I guess. That's great. Have you have you heard any of what are affectionately known in the community of the Rodcasts uh, from, uh, I guess, 06 and 07? Um, actually the one I heard was the one where he told you he met me. I think I was in Costa Rica when he yeah. called in on that Sunday. That's actually the only one I've heard, but he's told me all about them. Um, but you should, be- you should listen to, I mean, I, I would suggest at least, uh, try listening to, uh, to one of the early ones because, uh, yeah. you know, he's a, I mean, he's more himself now, but he's a different guy than he was, uh, when I first met him. And I think it would be interesting for you to see the difference, right? I mean, his, his animation, his enthusiasm, his energy, at least to me, it seems very different than when we first met. And I think that would be interesting to yeah. see, uh, to see that transition. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Cause I've, I know that I've, um, listened to many podcasts with her, you know, more, some of the more recent ones. And I know that I, uh, I dug up the Invisible Apple one, and we went mm-hmm. through some of the early ones like that. I don't know. I'm not really sure if it's been – I know I've looked back through them before trying to find the ones that I'm in, but I can't seem to find a good way to, to find them. I, I don't know if I just – I haven't looked very hard, I guess, to find the rodcasts. So <laughs> uh, right. Well, it, it's some people yeah. who are no, in the a great idea. type yeah. in the numbers. Uh, and, and it is nice because, uh, you know, when your boyfriend comes up to you and says, hey, I have an invisible apple for you, you're like, is, is that from what? the Kama Sutra? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> <gonna> hurt? <laughs> Do we need butter? What is that? <laughs> Now, um, if could you just remind me as well, um, um, how you guys met? I always do love the sort of how, how you met stories, particularly in relationships that are working out really well, like yours. So, um, yeah. how, how did you guys meet, and, and how was the early part of your of your dating? Um, from my perspective, it was I had been on eHarmony actually for like a year, just kind of maintaining a profile and and chatting or or uh, communicating with. 
tons and tons of people on it. But um, I think that out of the thousand or so people that I was, you know, hooked up with by the the eHarmony bots or whatever they are, um, this my my communications with Amanda from the, the very get go were somehow qualitatively different than everything else. Um, sorry, I, you, you mean uh, you you okay, sorry from your perspective or from hers? Oh, but. from my perspective. Okay, okay. So uh, I'll let her t- tell her uh, her perspective here too. But um, I would just just to like kind of paint the picture from if you guys know something about me from the broadcasts and such. Um, a lot of the the people that I was meeting or chatting with or whatever over the this uh, service, it was. You know, these were a lot of them were pretty girls who were, you know, pretty much that's it. They were like a cardboard cutout with nothing behind them. Some of them seemed interesting, but had just obvious, very <laughs> large demons in the closet and things like that. Well, and it was sorry just, to interrupt, but I think as, yeah. as we had chatted in one of the broadcasts, your choice of a username, Manhor2000, was probably not <laughs> quite the right people, although I'm glad that it worked with, uh, with Amanda. But sorry, go on. <laughs> So as soon as I changed my username, lo and behold, <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> I got the first person off the boat then, and it's been just great since. But yeah, no, it was, um, I think it was, let's see, 2007, okay, yeah. uh, it was Christmas of 2007 was the first communication between us, and we chatted online back and forth, just email, emailing basically for about a month. A little over a month. Yeah, about a month. And then we finally met in January, uh, the following, this uh, the next January then. And it was, you know, immediately we were, I think we met on a, a Sunday around noontime. And it was like a 12-hour date. Like it was, it, we were just going to meet for lunch and then chat a bit. And it, like 12 hours later, we were like, oh, hey, I guess it's time to go now. Okay, nice meeting you <laughs> type of thing. So. <laughs> It was, I mean, just like we fell into a time warp, at least that's what it felt like. There was no awkwardness, no difficulty in communicating or coming up with subjects to talk about or anything. It was just, it was exciting. It was fun. Like it was a, I I guess like, you know how um, when when you meet someone on a, a date hookup or something like that, there's oftentimes, well, at least in my past, there was this feeling of, Oh gosh, I'm on, I'm on display here. I better put on a good show, and and I hope I don't screw it up, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And there was absolutely like none of that at all in this in this uh, first encounter with her. It was a what I was feeling was actually wow, this is an interesting person, and I want to keep asking her questions so that I can see what she's all about. And it was just all kinds of fun like that. So. Um, and then of course we, uh, we've been together with the exception of, uh, her going to Costa Rica for a week and me going, um, out to New York a couple of times for work just for a few days at a time. We've been together pretty much every day since. And, uh, a little over a year ago we moved in together and live in a really great apartment that we enjoyed way too much. And, uh, (laughs) it's just... I mean, it's it's going great as far as I know. Like I I'm eating the best food of my <laughs> life because she's a terrific cook. Um, I have a companion with me all the time. We share so many interests. Like the um, 
I mean, the way that we decorate our home, we look at something and immediately we're either agreeing, yes, we want it or no, yuck, you know, <laughs> who would right. put that in their house type of thing, things like that. When we go camping, it's just all kinds of fun there. It's a, it's a relaxing experience. We, we've gotten into uh, certain routines. Like when we go camping, we just, we settle into without even really having to discuss it, just like who does what and how, it, how everything works together and who packs this, who packs that, who sets up the tent, who, you know, does the bed inside the tent, you know, stuff like it's just like all these things have been, it's been so smooth that like, unless I stop and think about how much of a lack of conflict there is, it's, it's almost easy to take it for granted. But when I compare it to previous relationships that I've had, it's just, it's shocking and it's in its, um, ease and, uh, enjoy enjoyment, you know, it's just great. I know what you mean. And I'm, I certainly want to hear what Amanda says, but I just wanted to sort of mention <laughs> that, uh, uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, when you share values, it's 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 incredibly surprising, if not downright shocking, the degree to which those shared values fit everywhere, everything, right? Like, yeah. so if if you if you sort of into you know reason and evidence thinking for yourself and so on, you will actually find, at least I found with with my wife, and it sounds like you guys are finding it too, and I've heard this report from others, that you find that it. It will reflect itself in the kind of furniture that you like. It will reflect itself in the kind of movies you want to watch and the kind of food you mm-hmm. like to eat. It, yeah. it goes into every uh, nook and cranny of – if those values aren't the same, those things are constantly clashing. But if your values fundamentally are you know, sane, rational, and scientific, it seems that it, it flows into everything. And, and uh, you end up with areas of non-conflict which are completely surprising. Like, well, how is it that we could both look <laughs> at this piece of furniture and both like it? Because right, similar right. values don't, like, they don't make you the same person because you're always growing and changing and, and you have different perspective and you can't see yourself and so on. But it is amazing to me because, yeah, Christine and I have the same thing. We like the same colors on the walls. We like the same neighborhoods. We like the same, we like to do, you know, like the same shows. I mean, it, it really does flow everywhere. And that's why, I mean, values are so important. You always think, oh, it's the core values. And then there's lots of right. other things you could disagree about. But, you know, money and, and sex and work and all those things, it just doesn't seem to be that much of a conflict when you have those same values. And it seems to be that there's almost no way to resolve those things if you don't. Right, right. Yeah, well, one thing that you just mentioned kind of um, jogged this thought in my mind is that a lot of times in in my experience in previous relationships and in observing other people's relationships, um, I've noticed that people tend to, I guess in the early part of the relationship, they figure out what are the safe areas for us to, uh Oh, you guys there? Uh, I'm here. Sorry. I just muted myself for a sec, but please go on. Okay. Okay. That's that's Computer shut down. (laughs) Yeah. My uh, my screensaver came on at exactly the same time that I heard that click. So it was, uh, which is weird because your screensaver is nothing more or less than a picture of me. So then it's like (laughs) video, right? (laughs) Yeah. I haven't been able to get rid of that. (laughs) Why would you? (laughs) Right. So the, um, anyway, it's the, uh, people kind of figure out, okay, these are the safe zones where there's no conflict. So we just retreat into this tiny little area of our relationship where, you know, okay, we've argued everything outside of, of this little pen that we're going to set ourselves in. And then for the rest of the, re- the relationship, for as long as it lasts, you just sit there in the tiny little pen. But for us, it's, it's or at least in my experience, it seems as though there's no pen. There's just new frontiers that we explore together and find out if we like it or not. And that's really, 
really interesting to, to see it from that perspective instead of the old way. Yeah, I mean, we all understand that, that science and mathematics and engineering allow people to resolve disputes without it becoming personal. And if, if you get two scientists in a room, they're generally going to agree on a methodology, maybe not always in conclusions. And yet we, we don't think that that's the same in personal relationships, right? That, that, that a, a real difference in values and methodologies can ever lead to harmony. Um, and, and so we understand that uh, religious groups will tend to fight because there's no objective way to resolve their disputes. There's no right. reason or evidence. And yet we think that people with irrational beliefs are going to be able to resolve their differences. While we understand that in the realm of religion, we fail to see how it actually, even more importantly, applies to our personal relationships. So, I, I, man, I think... Right. I think that's great. Amanda, you were going to uh, talk a little bit about the early early times for you? Early times for me. Um, so I had been on eHarmony about, uh, I'm sorry, eHarmony about a month, actually, before his <laughs> profile popped up. And on Christmas Eve of 2007 is actually the first email because, you know, girls always remember the dates better, but that's okay. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> that's what we're for. That's our job. <laughs> um, just kidding. But um, his honesty was the first thing that grabbed me to be honest it was it was probably the first or maybe even second email which he told me the situation that he's no longer in contact with his family and I myself am not in contact with my biological father my mom and my my natural father were married for about four years before I was born he took off when she was about seven months pregnant and I've never known him I've always known he existed I know that my dad who raised me, who's been in my life since I was about a year and a half or two, um, and adopted me then. He's, you know, legally my parent and he's the only father I've known, the only father I've needed. Um, but me, I think having, I won't say a similar situation, but something where I completely understand that blood is not thicker than water. Your family is what you make of it. And, you know, it's your own life. You live it. And to meet someone as an adult, who's actually doing that was completely refreshing. Um, yeah, I'm in touch with some friends that I've known since high school and uh, their family situations aren't the best, but yet they continue to go back for holidays and they continue to be around for nieces and nephews. And all they do is complain about how horrible the family is, but you know, it's family. You have to love them, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And to meet someone who is completely willing to say, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just me. (laughs) Um, was exciting and intriguing. And, you know, we we emailed incessantly for several weeks. Um, I think he nailed it with our song choices being extremely (laughs) similar. It was, it was a question that I would use, um, to, uh, to kind of weed through the not so desirables on the, um, on the harmony. Wait, 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 sorry. Are you saying you had a filter called song choices? I mean, in I, your mind. I did. I did. How fascinating. And, and how many times did he pay you, play you the ballad of Freedom Aid Radio before you said, if you stop this, <laughs> you to, but you just have to stop this? No, so that's it. I've never heard that before. How, how interesting. How did you develop that as a methodology? That's quite interesting. Um, I grew up with music. Uh, my dad remained friends with friends from high school, so I grew up with this extended family of of. I would say about 19 kids and 10 to 15 sets of parents, depending on the party. And there was always this this incessant tra- soundtrack that my dad had uh, put onto a reel-to-reel player um, from records. And uh, that 
just kind of followed me throughout my life. Uh, whether I was studying or working or cleaning or cooking, I always had music on in the background. So knowing that wherever I go, I will always have music in the background. I needed to know, I, I knew that I have to find someone who either appreciated the same music I listened to or listened to something that I was interested in, in discovering. So, um, the question was along the lines of, you know, if you had a jukebox at your access with every song in the world, what would be your first five that you would play? Wow. And of the five that Rod picked, three <laughs> I knew, one I knew by heart. One was actually on the soundtrack that my dad used to play at all of our parties. And they were all Weird Al Yankovic. No. Right. <laughs> I like big butts and cannot lie. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> no, what, uh, do you remember what, those, uh, what the songs were? Um, let's see. I know that... Um, I think there was a, a Pink Floyd in there. There was, um, I think the one that we had the most conversations about was Gordon Lightfoot's If You Could Read My Mind. Yep, that's it. Right, right. Because the, the thing about that song, it's just that hit me and what I described when we when I first talked about it is that it's just such a richly um, sorrowful song. Like it's it's someone who is, who is deeply feeling something and now normally people would associate that the emotion with something negative you know and i remember that this is one of the, the early challenges that i had when i started listening to freedom main radio i was i was still saddled with the there's good emotions and there's bad emotions and you shove the bad ones into a closet and let them die yeah and um so the when i started to um i guess come into a new way of looking of, at at what had been negative emotions as just different flavors of emotions that were still being generated by, you know, myself for my own benefit. I started to appreciate things like someone deeply examining sorrow and loneliness and stuff like that. And so that's why I, you know, I picked that one song as one of them. And that was, I think that led to a few conversations mm -hmm. early on. And it, it has some sweetly melancholic lyrics uh, mm -hmm. That okay. song, if you could read my mind, what a tale my thoughts could tell, just like a paperback. There's a line in there about a paperback novel that I can't recall. Do you mm -hmm. remember what the line is? Uh, I've always uh, thought that that was a beautifully melancholic lyric. I think it's just like a paperback novel about a ghost from a wishing well. No, it's no, kind no. the drugstore cell. Oh, the kind the drugstore cells. Right, right, right. When you right. reach the part where the um, the hero would be me is the last line of that. Reached, um, I right, have that you're interested in adventure stories <laughs> other people. Yeah, when, if you can dig them up, or I can find them online. But I remember doing that song at uh, at karaoke and uh, um, <laughs> make people cry as usual. No, I'm kidding. Uh, do you have the lyrics there? I'm looking them up right now. Uh, yeah, if you could, because uh, I, I think it's a it's a beautiful song, and um, yeah, very a, a very a very sweet and sad song. Uh, I think if I remember right, it's a, it, I mean it's about a guy who. Um, thinks that his own emotions are kind of cheap, right? Like they're kind of sensationalized, like these dime store adventure novels. Uh, but then it steps into being a hero in his own life and taking... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you uh, go. So just like a paperback novel, the kind that drugstores sell, when you reach the part where the heartaches come, the hero would be me, but heroes often fail. And you won't read that book again because the ending is just too hard to take. Right. So it's the... Um, uh, even in that lyric itself, you won't read that book again because the ending is just too hard. So it's it's... It spoke to me of having relationship after relationship that like, you know, the end is always heartbreak and you just got to the point where it like, screw it, I'm not reading that book anymore because it's always <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. You know? And so it's a, um, there is a lot densely packed into that song, yeah, actually. It's um, the imagery you get from the words. And I 
I think the overall melody of it is what always stuck with me um, mm. is if you took the words out and you just listen to that, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then you, you add the words to it. It just becomes, as, as Rod was saying, just more rich. So, but yeah, um, I'll, uh, I'll post that on the FDR board for those. Everybody probably knows the song. Like it's one of these songs that everybody knows a little bit, but you yeah. may not have listened to it. And the way he sings it is so effortless, effortlessly uh, sad, right? A lot of people, when they sing, they're throwing in these melinas and they're trying to, you know, bust out <laughs> the lungs and all that. But he just sings it like he was, you know, sitting on the back porch musing about his life. Uh, yeah. And it's got a really effortless kind of floating lyric, uh, sorry, uh, vocal to it that I've always found to be very appealing. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, and there's something that was interesting about um, when she threw this uh, this uh, song filter at me, <laughs> is that that's something that is, I'm not sure how far it goes back for me, but I've always had, or uh, for a long, long time now, I've had a uh, tendency to have a soundtrack going in my mind constantly. And I think that it has something to do with um, just the way that my brain is wired. I think things happen in parallel all the time. And that's, I think, one of the things that makes me a successful engineering designer is that um, one one thought or one path of thought or something like that will branch off into many, many parallel paths. And somehow they all work at the same time. But it's almost as if I have to pick one to focus on. And right. so oftentimes when I'm doing things during the day, I'll, without any, having any re- realization of how or why, there's a song playing in my head. And if I focus on it, I can sometimes find parallels to other things that I'm doing at the time. So, um, Most recently, it helped you remember the name of someone oh, yeah. to uh, yeah. ran into. Um, but that's, yeah. yeah it's kind of odd how the subconscious works like that. Yeah, my, my subconscious mind tends to be playing music a lot. And... Um, Earlier on in my life, it was oh, only... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. somebody mentioned this in the chat room, that you were having trouble remembering my name until you remembered, right, said Fred's I'm Too Sexy. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> leaping back at you in a horrifying way. <laughs> okay, what's the exact opposite of that song, Steph? Yes, that's it. <laughs> with, with the fur glove. The, um, yeah, anyway, so that was just, it was a... It was fun. It was a, a way that we very early on engaged with each other that like hooked into something that I guess very deeply resonates with both of us. So mm-hmm. it was it was a lot of there was a lot of deep interest in the things that we discussed from the get go. And it was it was quite exciting that way. Wow. That's just just fantastic. That is just fantastic. And how's uh, how's uh, gogorodzilla.com? It's going well. My, uh, my my website's been in a like frozen in carbonite since I first started working because <laughs> I've just gotten work and usually you know websites are commonly used for marketing, but I've had steady work since I started, so I kind of <laughs> have let let it just sit and fallow. But um, I'm uh, I'm currently planning on perhaps uh, doing a change. I might be incorporating soon. And when I do so, I might change my name, um, just to my, my own name, Rod T. Peterson design incorporated or something like that. Um, I've, I'm kind of having the impression that the, uh, the go-go Rodzilla, it was a lot of fun. And when I started it out, you know, the, the economy was such that there's, you know, plenty of room for fun like that. Right. But, uh, I think it's time to put on a, uh, a little bit of a sharper suit, so to speak. So. There is no fun in the recession at the moment. Yeah. No, <laughs> no frivolity. Right. 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 When there's heads rolling in the streets, it's not good to be prancing down the street in the jester's outfit. So. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it's just, um, but you know, it's a it's an evolution of the uh, of the the business, I think, and it's it's going pretty well. I have had some some difficulties with. I have this 
one main client that I've been with the entire time, and and it's become somewhat of a dysfunctional relationship. I, I'm getting the impression that they take me for granted quite a bit, and so I'm I'm trying to uh, slowly extract myself from that environment and and place myself into another far more um, desirable client um, situation right now. So it's it's going well, I think. But, uh, you know, th- there's been quite a bit of frustration at times, but it's it's all worth it, I think. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I've, I've had some experience with this. If there's anything I can do to help, just to let me know. We did, uh, we've been doing some entrepreneurial uh, conference calls lately that um, people have found helpful. And we did actually talk about some some client issues in the more recent ones, so you might want to check that out. Yeah, I have. Um, I have seen some of those on the feed, and I have been meaning to listen to them. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but uh, yeah, every once in a while, I'm when I get the chance, I'm still pulling um, interesting looking titles and stuff from the from the feeds. I don't have obviously the the time to hit every single one of them like I used oh, to. Sure, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and there's less need, right? I mean, I mean, if oh you, yeah, absolutely. I mean, great, right? I don't go to the doctor when I feel good, right? So <laughs> kind of like I've been there, done that type of thing. Absolutely. But no, it's. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, I'm still, oh, I should mention like the, some of my favorite, <laughs> favorite visits to the, the, uh, the free domain universe has been to see, watch the videos and look at the pictures of your daughter. <laughs> oh She's yeah. Beautiful. Oh, someone there just put go. up a picture of her. In the, in oh the, my goodness. Absolutely. She is a joy. She is an absolute, I just, absolute I am absolutely stunned at, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's. She is such a beautiful person and not, you know, obviously not just like physically beautiful because she looks like you, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I apologize for that for her. <laughs> but like, uh, oh, just another thing for daddy to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's just so fascinating to watch. And, and, you know, even in still photographs, you can just see how dynamic she is and absolutely just a remarkable child. So congratulations on that. And just. I, I, I can't thank you enough again for showing, um, I guess, the, the right way to do things, you know? Well, I, you know, I, I hope so for sure. I mean, it would it would kind of suck if I messed that up. You know, it's easy to criticize other people's parenting, right? But you kind of want to uh, get right. it down yourself, you know? Uh, but, um, no, I'd be I, looking for the money-back guarantee on your website if it was. <laughs> Absolutely, no. It uh, it is um, uh, it is uh, just an amazing amazing experience, and she is you know I mean a, a child without flaws. I mean she is absolutely fantastic, and yeah. um, uh, you know a lot of the things that I just assumed about kids or being a parent uh, just is not true, right? I mean that kids don't cry, right? She she doesn't cry. She doesn't cry. I mean if she falls over, she'll cry for a minute or two, and then she's fine. Uh, she doesn't like going to bed because obviously we're quite a lot of fun, but uh, <laughs> she doesn't, you know, this, this whole thing that there's myths that I had about childhood uh, or raising kids or the things that you always hear. Um, she's completely um, satisfied with a non-conflict sort of parenting thing right now. Okay. So she's, she's all, I guess she's almost 11 months now. So, and, and we do have conflicts, right? Because, uh, you know, for instance, she likes to, she loves, we have one of those fridges with the, the freezer is on the bottom, just above, above the floor. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course she loves to open things and to explore. I mean, she's, she's just starting to walk right now. So we're in that phase where, uh, she, but she, because she can crawl and she can open things, you know, we've childproof as much as possible, but 
dear lord i mean there's just like tendrils of fog getting into everything it's just... <laughs> exactly and um uh, and so she loves to go into the freezer and and pull everything uh, out of the freezer and she, you know and so on right and uh, i let her do it for a couple of minutes but she's not that aware of when her hands get too cold because you know she's just not too excited and so i would then you know close the freezer tell her no and of course we say no with the lights uh, with the lamps and the cables and so on and She's never expressed frustration when I take her out of a situation that she's enjoying for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that to me is amazing too because that's not the myth that you hear. You know, like if you indulge your child, they will just become um, bratty. You know, they will just become spoiled and they will become entitled and so on. Um, the complete opposite seems to be true. Like we went – oh, you got me started now. We went to uh, – <laughs> get comfortable, right? But we went to um, okay. uh, to buy uh, some, some – uh, we, we need a winter jacket for her. And we didn't take her out last winter because she was like four minutes old, right? But um, we need a winter jacket for her. And so we went to, to go shopping. We took her to the mall last night. And the malls are great because it's a little cold for her to walk around for too long. But she's got this little red truck that she can – um, she pushes and she walks. Like when I take her to do grocery shopping, she actually pushes the cart for some of the time. She's it's really cool. She's down there. It's like it's like watching one of those Ewoks push the uh, the <laughs> container at the beginning of Star Wars. You know that big because you know she's so small and people look because the cart's pretty full. People are like, how did you get a cart that's electric? No, 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 it's easy powered. But, <laughs> uh, and we took her and and she really really wanted to. Uh, and she's so strong with her desires, right? Like she she loves to go to uh, racks of things in stores and and destroy them, <laughs> pull the pull <laughs> anything that's on a hook. She will just pull off and throw around. And there were a whole bunch of these. She loves belts, right? So she had belts handling. There were stretchy belts. She was pulling them, and then she wanted to go over to where the uh, the necklaces were hanging. You know, the jangly, shiny. I mean, it's 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 crack for her, right? She just loves. It. <laughs> and so she goes over and. She just, you know, it's a lot of work. I mean, there's no question. You've got to sit there and, and catch everything as it falls and put it back into the right place. I sort of try to uh, leave it more or less the way that I found it. But um, she was so into it, so into it. And I wanted her to have that experience. I wanted her to enjoy uh, playing with that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's the old thing. If she ends up breaking it, we'll just buy it. It's not the end of the world, right? And then I had to take her because um, uh, we, we, you know, we sort of had to finish our shopping and get her home in time so she could go to sleep at a reasonable hour. And so, you know, I picked her up and she wanted to go back down and I just said, no, I'm sorry. And I gave her a kiss and so on. And she looked at me and then she just shrugged. It's like, okay. <laughs> it really is amazing how non-conflictual it is when you are um, – and I think that's because we try to give her – as much latitude as is conceivably safe to explore, to enjoy, because the, it's so important to remember the whole world is Disneyland to her at this point. Mm -hmm. Everything is new. Everything is exciting. Uh, and it's irresistible. It's so exciting. And I mean, I think that's a delightful thing. It helps me to see, you know, everything in a new way. And yeah. uh, so to, to remember just how thrilling and exciting it is for her and to want to give her that joy and that experience of, of playing with these new things and doing these. Because for us, it's uh, some old dusty store with some belts or whatever, right? But for her, it's like the Amazon, you know, like <laughs> waiting for monkeys to come out from between the belts and throw bananas at her. I mean, it's that. that. <laughs> and uh, I f we found that just by giving her as much latitude as humanly possible to enjoy and to explore, she 
she doesn't that she's not constantly on guard against things being taken away from her and when things are taken away from her when we say no when we take some when i take something out of her hands that she can't have then she's perfectly content with it because she knows it's not because we we don't want her to have fun so to speak it because we give her so much uh, uh latitude to have fun that when we put restrictions upon her she seems perfectly content. I'm going to be absolutely fascinated to see what happens during these vaunted terrible twos, right? Like, is mm-hmm. there's a theory that, that adolescence, you know, the moodiness, the irritability, and so on is not anything to do with a natural part of life. It's a combination of bad parenting, possibly sleep deprivation, or whatever. But I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with these, um, uh, with these terrible twos, because a lot of the things that she's supposed to be difficult, problematic, and troublesome with so far have simply failed to materialize, which, which is like, whew, you know, I, I the theory, man, and I'm just really glad that it's, uh, it's working out so far. But of course, this probably does mean that she's doomed for any kind of normal schooling, but yeah, sorry, no, that's a bit of a tangent, but it is uh, a, a complete uh, thrill and joy. And of course, because she is such a delightful kid um, yeah. and so enthusiastic and so affectionate and, uh, uh, and so enthusiastic about everything that uh, it's a real privilege to, to be able to spend time with her. Yeah, yeah. No need to apologize. Um, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm always just thrilled to hear updates on, on the Izzy universe. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, I think something that you mentioned was the, <clears throat> the lack of conflicts or something like that. And, and it reminded me of another thing that with regards to our relationship is the, um, I've noticed just kind of like a, a, an increasing skill, I guess, of RTR and myself in the moment of our conversations and things. And, you know, I mentioned before that we have, we have disagreements or arguments that last a few minutes, but usually what the, the conversation turns to is, okay, what just happened and how are we going to figure out how to deal with that? And it's not the, well, screw you. I'm just going to go off in a huff and then <laughs> we'll come back in a week and pretend that it never happened type of thing. Right. Right. And so there's things like, um, um, you know, obviously in my early life, the, the world as I knew it, the world that my brain was tuned to navigate through was if you want someone else to do something for you, you cause some kind of an emotional response in them, which compels them to do that. And so, of course, I'm still pretty well keyed to respond to that type of, um, uh, stimulus and I sometimes am prone to causing that stimulus myself and so it's it's kind of um, it's becoming a lot easier as as our relationship evolves to find those uh, things happening as they happen like immediately as they happen Can and you it's really oh um, well there's one thing that is kind of like an ongoing um, difficulty is that when she's on her computer <laughs> Yeah, she's laughing because it's on her computer. Night. You guys yes. live together, but it's her computer, right? It's oh, laptop, no, laptop. It was laptop. A, yeah, yeah. I gave her a. a Actually, it was his laptop, so it's my laptop now. Right. Yeah, so I brought her into the Mac universe, and of course, since it's kind of a new um, new operating system to her, you know, in the last year or so, um, you know, she'll have obviously she'll have difficulties because she's a whiz at Windows and she's trying to find the Mac equivalent for things, and so she'll get upset sometimes, and so. It's really difficult for me to sometimes decide or figure out or to read is her being upset and saying things to her computer 
meant to actually say to me, Rod, I want you to come over here and fix this stupid computer. <laughs> right. Is she enjoying it? Is she, is she wrestling with it or is she asking for help? Like wrestling, like I'll figure it out kind of thing. Right. right. Yeah. And so I, 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 I try to gently remind her. Sometimes I don't so quite so gently remind her, but I, I say things like, you know, I don't know how to read that. If you need my help, I want you to ask me for my help. But, um, you know, just getting all angry at your computer what it does is it just puts me on edge because, you know, the way that I'm, that I, you know, developed in early life, what that was is when someone's getting angry at something, that means you better hop to and get that thing fixed for that person before they get even angrier. Yeah, that they are kind of bringing it to you, but they're not being honest about it. Right, right. Yeah. There's, there's, um, it would be a, a lack of um, vulnerability in showing like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I think that you might be able to help me. Could you please help me? Because you're better at this than me. It was just a damn this thing, you know, oh, I just get so confused. And then that would make me hop to and say, okay, well, here's how you do it. And please right. don't be angry and, and things like that. So, um, you know, there's, there are things like this that come up in our, in our relationship. I know that the early part of this conversation was like just a, a sales pitch for perfection. So <laughs> like, but of course it's not. I mean, a relationship has challenges. And what I'm finding though, is that when the challenges do arise, they are recognized as such and not as deal breakers and things like that. And not like these, they don't turn into those fences that we retreat from into these tiny little corners that we find safe. We, we recognize what they are as they're, they're an impediment to, um, you know, a greater experience with each other. And so we, we try to meet them, you know, challenges. Yes. But, um, can we deal with them? Of course we can. And of course, as you continue to successfully meet those challenges, your confidence grows in being able to meet them, right? Absolutely. You're either moving together or you're moving apart. There's nothing static in intimate, particularly romantic relationships. And you, it's great right. when you, it's like, hey, we dealt with this a bunch of times before. I don't know exactly how we're going to deal with this one, but I know that we can <laughs> right. do it because we're right. going to commit to be honest and, and, and so on. So I think that's just fantastic. I've seen it succeed before, so I know it can again. And it's like the... Um, I think, uh, oh yeah, I think when we were playing around with the uh, the Google Wave thing a couple of nights ago, when I uh, I think uh, Greg Minton invited me to that, and it was kind of fun. We we're playing around with it, but uh, you know, we were just chatting a little bit then about um, about Amanda and myself, and one of the things that I said was that it's it's becoming actually more and more difficult to not deal with things in a mature way as time goes on, because, at, you know, when you, when you're kind of busted and broken up from a, a, uh, not so great childhood or a lousy childhood, I shouldn't mince words. Um, it's really, really hard to do the right thing because your false self is like screaming at you. You're going to die. If you do this, you know, if you open up and you become honest and vulnerable, you're screwed, you know? Yeah. That's, <laughs> and, that's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trap. Okay. Admiral Akbar. And, um, but now I'm finding that as time goes on and we're getting better and better and better at communicating through these things, um, it's like my don't go there is turning into don't go there as in don't avoid this. It's you better deal with it now because the alternative is not fun at all. And you know that. And so it's it's becoming more and more difficult to not do the right thing. It's really it's interesting. Right. right it's like a right. subtle rewiring of the uh, of the wet works. And Amanda, did you um, uh, did you have 
problem solving. I guess you got good problem solving skills um, from from your family and and from your dad, who of course I fully understand. Uh, parent is a is a verb. It's not a noun. It's not a it's not a right. thing. It's a, it's an action, right? So yeah, exactly. and he raised you as your dad, right? So. Um, uh, was that something that you had not had the opportunity to implement as much as you'd like in prior relationships, or did it really come to full flower uh, in 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 this current relationship? I think it came to full flower here, I, and I I think that my problem solving skills have kind of been developed um, just from me being very practically minded. Um, my dad wasn't as, as great of a dad as he is in hindsight, not very good with conflict. <laughs> that's, uh, right. where, that's where it's, um, he's gotten, I don't know if he's gotten better or if it's just different. Um, he was an, an iron worker for 24 years and had to have a shoulder replaced. And, and so now he's been home, uh, unemployed and, and, uh, retired early for the last three or four years. So he's just kind of uh, become stagnant. And so irritable, just, just depressed and we're, my brothers are living at home, my mom, and they're all kind of trying to work through it. Um, I'm pretty removed from that at this point because it's, it's my life is here, uh, with Rod and they're kind of an extension of that on the other end. I'm not, I'm not involved in it on a daily basis, but like you're available uh, if they would like some help and it's not like yeah. you withhold feedback, but it's right. not your problem to solve because it's not right. your marriage, so to speak. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. And I've, I've learned that more so the truth behind that over the last couple of years as well. And I think it's, it's something that, like I was saying, it was the ideas and, and the philosophies that we're, we follow and we try to engage on every day have always been kind of there under the surface for me. Um, but because, because what was on the surface never quite made sense, never quite added up two and two wasn't really getting to four. And I, I couldn't, figure it out. And they didn't have the tools. I didn't have the resources, either that, or I was too afraid to look for them. You know, and that could be a whole podcast in itself, I guess, but anytime, anytime you let me know, I, uh, you know, I, I really like, I mean, I, I certainly do, do hear a lot from people who need particular help with difficult stuff, but you know, uh, it's not just in a sense, getting people off to the couch, but, uh, and to the gym, but to get people from the silver to the gold. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so anytime, uh, I'm, I'm all ears, but, uh, please go on. Yeah. Um, so where was I? Oh, um, I'm talking about your dad is not dealing with conflict all that great, but yeah. And then he was the youngest of seven kids and, and raised more or less by his siblings rather than his parents. And, um, I, I think he actually lived in California for a couple of years with older sisters and brothers before his parents ever moved out here from Indiana. So it was kind of an interesting family dynamic for him. And then, you know, coming and you know, meeting my mom and, and the story goes, he married my mom to be my dad. Because he met me, and that was, you know, that was the end of it. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> His favorite compliment is that I look like him. But, um, <laughs> and oddly enough, kind of do. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, uh, just, I mean, where was I going with that? I kind of got sidetracked. Um, well, my problems on skills and kind of where they're at, yeah. I guess, um, I'm not going to say I'm completely self-taught because I had something from somewhere, um, but looking at the actual abilities of my parents and, and the relationship between the two of them, um, I think some of the stuff I've learned is by knowing what doesn't work mm -hmm. and, um, and witnessing that and not wanting to have the same things that I, I didn't like in my parents and wanting something better. 
Absolutely. And, and I think that is a constant progression, right? I mean, there's no question that Isabella, when she gets older and, you know, I mean, right now she's in the worship daddy phase, which I believe lasts until she's in her 40s. But um, there, she's going to get older and she's going to see the limitations that I have uh, uh, and the, the errors that I make and the mm-hmm. inadequacies that I have. Mm-hmm. You just, as Rod was saying, you can't go through a really smashed up childhood and, and come out and be like you weren't there. I mean, that's, right. you know, that's just not possible. Even if, right. you know, like you, you can't get a leg smashed up, go through rehab and be the person who never had to go through rehab. You might end up stronger. You might end up better, but you're not going to be the person that never went through it. And that's going to leave some, some limitations, some scar tissue, some challenges in its wake. And uh, she is going to uh, look at me and say, well, I have this, this, this I think is a problem or this is a problem. And I think that's fantastic. That's exactly what I want her to do. Um, because she should not uh, attempt to imitate or mirror me, right? She should be uh, somebody who thinks for herself with her own principles, uh, hopefully some some good rational ones. And so uh, imperfections in parenting, I think, is all part of that that progress. Uh, it is yeah. really it, it's really the moment of truth when she brings those criticisms to me, how I handle it. Um, but that is certainly something that I'm not going to be offended when she finds my limitations. That would be crazy, right? Because I mean, they're right. each, uh, and uh, she's going to grow up in a more peaceful and more rational world than I could ever have dreamed of as a child. And it's, she's just going to have a significant number of strengths uh, that, that I just, I'm never going to have because right? I just can't be that, that kind of person who, who didn't go through what I went through. Um, and, but that, that to me would be the, the whole point uh, that she's going to have a kind of confidence and security that took me a long time to achieve. And in some ways I think is stronger because of that, but it's not quite the same as if it were just organically present uh, at the very beginning or from the very beginning and all the way through. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. She's, you know, limitations in, in the parents uh, is, uh, you know, dysfunctions in the parents is a great thing for children to see. And it is part of the sort of step up the ladder that I think each generation is, is, is supposed to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I'm fortunate in that my parents have never expected us to be just like them. They've always wanted us to be better. And, you know, they've never made excuses for their limitations, but, I don't know if they are aware of them per se. It's, it's still the conversations that we haven't had. Um, as we've gotten older, we've gotten closer and we can, um, you know, explore topics more in depth. My brothers are 27 and 26 now, Chris will be 28 in, in uh, February. You know, and as, as we've gotten older, it's, 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 it's interesting to watch our own dynamic um, change and grow. I, I remember I would, had just started college and, and my brother, youngest brother, wasn't quite 18, but he got a tattoo. And uh, the middle brother told me about it. And then the younger brother told me about it. And when my mom ended up finding out about six months to actually almost a year later, it was nine months <laughs> to a year later when she found out, um, she was not upset about the tattoo per se. She was more upset that my brothers and I had such a close relationship that no one told on him. And it was, and she flat out told me, I'm jealous of the relationship you have with your brothers. It was something I never had with my own. And I said, then you should be proud of what you've raised. And it kind of, it was about that time when I realized that my mom had no longer become a, a authority figure in my life. She'd become not necessarily an equal yet, but she'd become someone that I could converse with and discuss things with. Um, and there's still a lot of things that I want to discuss with her, but that's just my own insecurities and, and challenges and, and finding my own strength there to do that. And I think I get stronger on that part every day, but, right. um, 
you know, it's if each generation is better than the one before, then the only way we can go is forward, you know, up or however you want to right, phrase right. that. No, and I, I think it, it's certainly clear to me that, uh, I mean, Isabella will watch me. Like, you have to remember that as a, as a parent, you're, you're, that she's always, like, if I'm in the room, she's watching me. Um, guardedly, is he going to take my food? Um, but uh, uh, she's she's watching me very very closely all the time, and it's, it's really important to remember that right now I'm like ten times her size. I can do things that she can't even imagine, like walk, you know, easily, climb stairs, drive cars. Uh, uh, I can feed myself. I can, you know, on a good day, change myself. There's lots of good things that I can do that that to her are, are godlike, um, and. Like I, I was just singing a, a snippet of song to her, and, and she's starting to do this thing where she she echoes back things that are being sung to her, which is just fantastic. Just you got a really soft and, and pleasant voice, and um, so I can do all of this. So so there is that godlike aspect of parenting. It's inevitable. It's there's no way to 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 have it any other way. But I'm very conscious of the need to continue to chip away at that edifice, right? So that when she as as she grows up, I need to diminish in her mind. I need to to shrink to the merely human right because otherwise she can't grow uh in the same way like i sort of need to to get out of her way so she gets the sunlight uh, and to diminish myself as i go forward and it sounds a little bit like uh your mom was doing that when she was talking about the envy that she has that is a very non-authoritarian non-quote parent type thing to say and i think that's great yeah um greg d asked why it was something my brother would hide from my mom um it was uh he's now got quite a few tattoos and most of that's from touring the world with rancid as their merch guy so he's been tattooed in just about every country he's been in they're was, pretty funny tattoos. they're pretty funny um as in like the one on his knee says party naked so um he's a little out there he's a little crazy but he's uh he's a lot of fun and he's actually really down to earth when you talk to him surprisingly enough uh, being my baby brother it's kind of funny finally saying that about him. Um, but, uh, my mom had asked them both of them, but actually all of us not to get any tattoos or any significant piercings until we were at least 18 or either out or out of the house on our own, just so that it was an, a decision we were making as an independent adult and not as a rebellion while we lived at home. And so when he got it, you know, a friend of him, you know, wasn't, wasn't legally supposed to have it, but you know, who cares about that part? Um, and he just, didn't tell her if he had told her at the time I, to tell you the truth I don't think anything would have happened um, but it was the fact that it had been you know nine months to a year when she she found out and it was again it was it, it was the fact that we kept each other's secret that she was envious of and and, um, and it wasn't necessarily in any kind of anger or upset attitude towards the uh, the tattoo itself right right so. you said he was touring the world with his rancid the band. Oh, a band called Rancid. A rock band named Rancid. Yeah. Have, have I heard of them or am I just pretending to be cool? No, no, no. You probably have. I, I was in high school the first time I heard them. And so singing. <laughs> you were in high school. So you may have heard them while rocking slowly on the stage porch. No, what I mean by that is that was uh, 13 or 14 years ago now. So <laughs> right. it's no, been I, think, I mean, I think I've heard of them. Let me just ask the people in the chat room. Uh, Rancid, is that it's certainly a memory that uh, it's a name that you would remember. I mean, it's not like uh, just some guy's name on a band. So. Yeah, what sort of music do they play? Well, I'm guessing with a name like Rancid. It's not <laughs> right. Am I am I right in understanding? Yeah, it's yeah. Not right. Yeah. 
It's yeah, it's it's punk rock. Um, there is I believe a song about a black bag that most people would be familiar with as soon as you hear it. Right. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Like I don't, I as soon as I hear a song of theirs, I know it's theirs, but I couldn't tell you the names or the, all the words of them. Um, but uh, he's also uh, toured with several other bands as their um, their uh, merch guy, their merchandise basically sells other shirts and stickers and stuff like that. And they'll be ordering for that um, as well as um, lifting all the heavy objects. So, you know, cause he's, he's a, he's a tall boy, <laughs> right, right. but um but he got to tour the world. He's been to Japan and, and all over Europe and uh, all over the U.S. and Canada and stuff. So it was something that, you know, he said, hey, I'm going to do this. And we all went, OK, have fun. And it's <laughs> postcards. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing that I, um, I was actually just commenting on this the other day. We were um, one of my clients that I'm working for. Actually, their office is just two blocks away from uh, Mandy's parents' house. And so we were over there the other night. We had dinner with them. And um I was commenting about this on the way home is I just said that her brothers are both very, very confident people. Like they're, they're fun to be around. They're not, they're you know, pretty gregarious. They're not at all shy. Uh, maybe a little bit shy, but you know, they, they warm up quickly, but it's just, um, it's kind of refreshing to interact with them because it's, it's fun to see people who are so self-confident and, and willing to explore their world and things. And this, the brother that she was just describing, he has, he's bought himself a, um, a, uh, a fishing boat that he goes out in the ocean with. He's had it for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. I suppose. And three or four now. yeah. Okay. So three or four years and they, you know, he goes out and brings home fresh fish out of the ocean and stuff and cooks them up. And he just got a, a spear gun, I think for yeah. his birthday or something Lobster like that. Lobster and sheep's head and all that good stuff. Cause spear fishing, diving. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, no fear. Yeah. There really is the, these, both her brothers have this, um, kind of this, this persona of no fear. They just go out and they find something they want to do and they do it. It's just, it's really kind of fun to watch. Well, it's good because, uh, it takes a family of fearless children to end up dating a guy into philosophy. So, Exactly. You know, uh, you are the, are the the storms that he's not afraid of in the boat. Uh, you are that. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. And I really didn't. I didn't have to dig deep at all in Amanda to find her sound philosophy core. It was there. I mean, it was there was there ready to be found. And as soon as I started talking about this stuff, she was immediately keying in on it. And it's it's not like I had to you know give her the hard sell. Okay, here's. First principle is this. Now let's build that block and then build another block. It was just like, you know, here's um, here's one step away from my conclusion. She goes, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. So. No, I mean, Christina was the same way. She was trained as a scientist, so she had some things that, you know, weren't particularly thought through and, and we, you know, we discussed them, but it was a pretty short discussion because, you know, and, and, and when you've gone through that kind of stuff with people, you know, when you see people beating their heads against people who are never going to listen, uh, you just, you just get, you know, like, come on, life's too short, you know, go, go try and walk through a door than, rather than a wall, you know, <laughs> that, that makes it a lot, it's a lot less painful. But, uh, so yeah, I can, I can completely understand that. And until people have experienced that, uh, I think that they don't, they don't get just how easy it can be to, to, you know, bring some useful enlightenment to to people and have it come back yeah all right so, well we do have a couple of questions here and uh, i mean i'm completely thrilled to i could talk with you guys all night but i do want to uh, see if there are other people who wanted to oh, uh, jump in 
uh, with uh, yeah. questions. Uh, I'm really, obviously, thrilled to hear from you guys again. I'm, I'm completely thrilled that you guys are together and having a, having a great time. I'm, uh, I'm just, you know, <laughs> it's nothing for me to be proud of, but I'm just completely happy that uh, that you guys are doing it. So I really, really do appreciate it. And you know, if there's uh, any any useful combos that uh, you could have here, just uh, you know, give me the word, and we'll uh, crank up a new rod slash mandycast mandycast that's got a nice there you go. Yeah. Like that. i do have one small quibble with something you just said there is you said it's nothing for you to be proud of i think it is and i'm actually i'm certain of that you should be proud of of this because without you this could not have happened so he said that from day one so that thank you absolutely sounds like a promise to name a child Right. So free domain radio is a gender neutral name. And I think that's okay. really, really important to remember. But no, look, I, I, all, all joking aside, I mean, I really do appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to have had a part in it, maybe even as a catalyst, but it, uh, yeah. it's, it's the listeners who do all the hard, heavy lifting in their own lives. So uh, I, I really appreciate what you're saying. And I'm glad to have been any small part of, of this kind of happiness. So. Yeah, I think. Yeah, a pretty solid mentor is, I think, a pretty good label for what you've been to me. So, right. thanks again. Appreciate that, and uh, do do let us know when your new uh, website is up, and uh, we'll we'll let people know. Indeed, sounds good. Thanks very much. Thanks. Congratulations thank again, you. and uh, great to hear from you. All right, take care. Thanks, James. We had a, a lady who wanted to to do. You were going to call her from the server, is that right? Sorry, I was muted. Uh, I'll read off the question uh, just that she was going to ask, and you can give her a shot. She said, um, are you interested in having a brief talk? Haha, never. Are you interested in having a brief talk on your choice not to use recreational drugs until the time at which it is absolutely sure that the negative effects it could potentially have on your mind would be eclipsed by other inevitable biological events? That would already be contributing to your deterioration. Uh, this is a—it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing that I've sort of mentioned. That uh, uh, you know, I will absolutely take morphine on my deathbed. <laughs> I have no doubt about that whatsoever. The stronger, the better. Um, but uh, I've sort of mentioned that, or you know, when I'm getting really old, if I'm single or whatever. <laughs> but you know, now that I got a family, that may be a little bit less uh, <laughs> less my sort of perspective. But if we can get that that lady in, I would be happy to uh, to have a talk about it. Is she, uh, is she available? Is she on the line? I'm trying to add, and unfortunately, the uh, it it rings and then acts like it just hangs up right away. So I'm not sure if it's a bad number or, or what. All right, no problem. Uh, did we have uh, somebody else who um, had another question uh, or comment or issue? Um, we could also give her the number to call in, right? Because then you would get that on the server and you could just add her to the conference. Is that right? That, we did that once before, if I remember rightly. Yep, I just have to be ready and willing to catch it. And uh, I'm both, are you willing? So, yes. Uh, okay, the, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing and ready. All right. the uh, The number is three one five eight seven six nine seven zero five. That is the number three one five eight seven six nine seven zero five. I will put that in the chat room. Uh, oh, thank you, James. And. Um, uh, somebody has asked about homeschooling, and uh, I don't know uh, much about homeschooling. I'm, I'm trying to get interviews with uh, people who know about this thing called unschooling, which sounds pretty close to Free Domain Radio in many ways. Um, and uh, so I'm hoping to get an interview with somebody who's an expert on unschooling, and uh, I will let you know, of course, as soon as, uh, as that happens. Yeah, the School Sucks podcast is terrific. Uh, I've done a couple of shows with him as well, and I'm hoping to do another one with the two of them. Um, where we're talking about, you know, why us? What is the difference between 
us and others when it comes to being open to philosophy as a whole, why us and, and you know, even within the same family, there are some who do and some who, you know, violently oppose it. And uh, uh, I'm sort of interested in pursuing that topic. It was actually the topic of the very first Sunday call-in show sometime in 2006. And we are still not resolved on that, and we may never be. But um, I also have an interview tomorrow at 11 a.m. with a professor of psychology um, because I have uh, some uh, questions to ask him about some stuff that he's published and hopefully uh, that might add to some of our <laughs> knowledge base about this kind of stuff. Uh, the, the science that is going on in the realm of psychology um, and child development is really, really quite fascinating. And so I'm trying to get people to, to chat with us uh, about that. So, All right, so let's just see if this... Uh, fine young lady will make it into the call. Otherwise, uh, we will take other questions or issues. You can type your questions into the chat room. You can uh, unmute yourself if you want to uh, uh, talk, uh, or you can ask James uh, for James Pyrich. You can ask him for um, uh, a call, or you can call in uh, 315-876-9705. We're just waiting to see if she makes it in. I haven't seen uh, the thing pop up on the server yet, so unfortunately. Oh, you know what? <laughs> of course. It's, it's just written in the um, in the chat room. How would you reply to this? Uh, this is an objection to, to parenting, or to a particular style of parenting. How would you reply to this? Ah, but raising a child to respect and consider the needs of others is profoundly coercive in and of itself. If children are given love combined with freedom... They become selfish and self-entitled. Witness the results of the baby boomer trend of parenting that basically left children to do whatever they wanted. The act of parenting involves restraining and shaping children so that they can engage with others in a meaningful, helpful way. Complete and utter freedom sounds like a good thing, but it really is a curse. And it's an excellent, excellent um, objection. And um, I... We'll tell you what I think and uh, what I've experienced as a parent, and uh, you can tell me if it, uh, if it makes any sense. It is genuinely, it was a genuine shock to me when at about the age of seven months or so, uh, Isabella began to feed me back, right? So I would feed her something, I would give her something, and uh, it was when she began to grab food and put it in her own mouth. We have these long sort of, they look like little surfboards, these little called baby mum mums, these rice cakes. And I would give her a bite, and then she, she took it, and not her bite, but she took the mum mum, and she tried to feed it back to me, right? Or um, uh, she would take her binky and try and put it into, into my mouth, or her little uh, pacifier. And that, to me, reflects something very profound and fundamental um, in human development, which is at least some early degree of, of empathy, recognizing that she likes to eat. She's a human being. I am a human being. Therefore, I must like to eat. That she enjoys being fed by me, and therefore, she would like to mirror that back to me. Whether that's because she just wants to imitate or whether because she thinks I genuinely might be hungry. Who knows? May never know. But the idea that uh, if you give children freedom, they will become selfish, I think is not an accurate way of talking about it. This is what I think. I think that if children are lonely, they will become selfish. It has been my experience with Isabella 
and, uh, and this is not scientific. This is just my experience, right? But I think there's some some value in it. Um, it has been my experience with Isabella that she is very hungry for parental company. She really enjoys our company because we have lots of fun and we explore and we make faces and we make jokes and we, you know, she, she claps and we sing. We, you know, we, we do lots of things that are really enjoyable and engaging for her. And she's slowly starting to learn a little bit about how to enjoy time with herself, right? Playing with her blocks. And she, she can do that. But she gravitates towards us uh, as parents. She wants to spend time with us as parents. And we, as parents, want to spend time with her. So I think that it was that we, you know, we recognize her needs, right? So if she seems happy, but then she lets out a cry, I will change my facial expression and ask her what the matter is. And of course, she can't answer, but at least she knows that I've heard that she's in some sort of minor distress and I will try something new and I will try to... Uh, to give her what she wants. So I think because she's on the receiving end of a great deal of sensitivity and empathy, uh, and because she understands that we delight in her company, that's who she is growing into being, right? She is learning what she lives. Um, Children grow up to be like their parents unconscious so, so many times. I mean, not so much if the parents are conscious, but children grow up as mirrors of their parents. And I think if children grow up selfish, then it's because the parents have been selfish. If children grow up non-empathetic, then it's because the parents have not been empathetic. That doesn't mean that it's irreversible, but that's the first place that I and I think any sensible person would look. Now, when this person, I think, is talking about freedom, I think what is probably being referred to is a kind of abandonment. Right, And that's a dramatic way of putting it, but uh, children don't want to be free. I mean, Isabella doesn't want to go and drive a truck, right? She doesn't want to go and play video games in some mall. She wants to spend time with us because we are a great source of joy and pleasure and fun for her and food, <laughs> right? And cuddles and kisses and laughter. And right. So she's drawn to us because so she just. just if she's given a free choice, like if we put her, we haven't done these experiments, but I know what would happen. If we put her in the middle of a room with some toys and, you know, my wife's standing at one end of the room and I'm standing at the other, she might play with the toys for a minute or two, but then she will immediately come to to, to one of us, right? And it's a bit of a pendulum. Some weeks it's her her mom and some, some weeks it's me um, that she favors for whatever reason, but she will come to us. So in a free situation, she wants to come and spend time with her parents. Now, the baby boomers were often raised. Um, they were put in daycares. They were put, uh, they had nannies. They had, uh, um, you know, the, day, the babysitters. The parents were off finding themselves or doing other things or working or whatever. And I don't think that they spent as much time with their children. And the children got that. They understood that they weren't that much of a priority. So since the children's needs weren't that much of a priority to the parents, then the children absorb that and say, well, other people's needs aren't that much of a priority. And so that's what they end up growing up to mirror. So I think that's where I would, uh, uh, I would look, first and foremost, for that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, television was a, great, a brand new great babysitter for middle class baby boomers. Um, someone has says, um, it facilitates the lady, lazy parent. Uh, sorry, I'm not sure what... Uh, what that it, what it is there, but uh, 
Uh, this this uh, parent says, um, I suffered this exactly. Libertarian, lazy dad that used my individualism as an excuse to leave me to my own destructive devices. And uh, someone else has said, I have two sons that, like Isabella, enjoyed the parent, me, facilitating their exploration as babies and had no terrible twos and are now well-adjusted preteens whose parents do the difficult but joyful, engaging work of parenting. Steph is really onto something, in my opinion, with treating children as a respected friend that needs some help and guidance. And, and I, think that's, um, I think that's very, very important. Um, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't view Isabella as an inferior. I don't view her as a clay to be guided. I don't view her as a wild beast. I don't view her as someone who needs to be tamed or, or molded or shaped. I mean, she is perfect the way that she is. Uh, she has limitations in cognitive abilities, of course, due to her age. Um, but uh, she is a person. She is a little person who, in some ways, is, in many ways, you know, it's pretty hard for me to look down on her and say, well, she's this inferior and I'm this superior, because in many ways, she's healthier than I am. She's more spontaneous. She's more self-expressed. She's not at all self-conscious, right? I mean, I think she's a really beautiful baby, like physically, um, but she's not conscious of that at all, right? And I think that's a beautiful thing. And so she is emotionally healthier than I am in many, many ways. And that's a very humbling thing. Uh, it's a very humbling thing. The, the natural uh, joy uh, that she has during the day, the, the peace of mind, the contentment, the calm that she has during the day. Um, I mean, good heavens, I, <laughs> I strive to emulate. I'm striving to learn from my 10 and a half month old baby. And so uh, to me, the idea that I'm some superior being who needs to mold her because of her ignorance into something uh, that she's not or limit her because she has these terrible tendencies or whatever, to me, it's crazy. I, uh, you know, she is a she is a raw, uh, natural, uh, beautiful human being, and I have as much to learn from her in, in terms of contentment and happiness and excitement and exploration and friendliness. Right? She's very, very friendly to people. Um, we were in a store the other day, and um, Christina was trying on a coat, and uh, Isabella was fussing, and Christina wanted my opinion, and so the. Um, uh, uh, no, she wasn't fussing. Sorry, she wanted to be picked up. She wanted to be held. I'm trying not to use that word. I'm pretty successful, but she's. And so the the, the saleswoman said, uh, who has kids, we'd been talking with her for a bit. She's like scooped her up and said, "I'll take her." And she was gone for a couple of minutes, and she was perfectly content uh, going over there because there's no. She's supposed to be going through all the separation anxiety, but she's not. Right? She's she's actually fine uh, going with other people. Um, so I just think that. Um, it is something that she's, she's very secure, she's very friendly, she's very curious, she's very confident, she's fearless, right? I mean, she, she falls, she gets up, she does it again. She falls, she gets up, she does it again. She topples over, she gets up, she does it again. She's fearless, without frustration. I mean, there's so much that I can learn from her that the idea of me being some sort of dominant instructor-type person is, is something that I simply can't conceive of. I mean, I, I hope to have... <laughs> you know, as calm, content and happy a day as she does. That would, to me, would be a great, um, uh, a great step forward. And uh, uh, so it's with all humility that I look at what she is able to do uh, naturally uh, and, and, and work to try and emulate it. Please enjoy the music while your party is reached. All right, did we get through to this person? 
please enjoy the music while your party is reached. Um, I can hear this music. Hello. Hello. Uh, can you hear me? I sure can. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Um, well, the, the point that I wanted to address was, uh, I guess light because it, it really doesn't have a lot of bearing on, uh, on our lives. It's a, it's a very personal choice question, which is, um, do you find uh, that, that there uh, are no aspects, um, of the uh, drug taking experience, um, that would, that would benefit, uh, your benefits the expanse uh, of your perspective uh, and uh, the the extent of your ability to to see things um, with with the widest uh, array of possibilities uh, being being at your disposal um, and uh, you know I think that I think that I've gotten my point across uh, I don't want to mess up the sentence at this point. Okay, so if I so, and I appreciate you asking me the question, let me just make sure that I understand it. So your question is: Is there no aspect of taking mind-altering substances that are significant, not like you know, a cigarette or a coffee or whatever, significant mind-altering experiences that might expand my perspective or give me some sort of alternate or 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 better perspectives than I have without access to to those drugs? Is that right? Yeah, and even as basic as. Um Anything after uh, after the drug is worn off um, that you feel would be valuable um, that then might uh, you know be valuable to your to your sober experience. Well, um, have you listened to uh, uh, any or many of the um, the podcasts that I and others have done on this channel? Uh, very many. Yes. Okay, so you've listened to a lot of uh, of them. Have you yourselves uh, uh, partaken in any of these substances that you are asking about? Uh, yes. Okay. So um, what perspectives have you gained through your use of these uh, drugs um, that you feel I have missed in, in what it is that I'm doing? Well, hmm. uh, I guess I don't have something to put forward uh, immediately, certainly. Uh, I, I would say that it allows me to kind of uh, free flow tangentially, uh, kind of making making associations for satire specifically because I'm a writer myself, um, and uh, I feel it's just very useful uh, in free association um, and uh, just kind of not relying on uh, logical connections so much, but um, then being able to find logical connections uh, in ideas that you would not normally associate when uh, you're rigorously uh, applying logic uh, in the way that you do when when you're sober. And uh, I I appreciate that. I think I understand what you mean. Uh, Have you listened to any of the Dream Analysis podcasts? A few, yes. And uh, whether or not you agree with uh, any of the the observations that are made uh, in those podcasts, would you say that that is an example of exploring free association and not applying rigorous empirical logic? Yes, but um, I would say that what happens in dreams uh, in that way is more more consistently uh, rooted in 
personal experience and in uh, in feelings that are very directly associated with um, problems or or just circumstances that are occurring within the self. Sorry, uh, uh, let me just interrupt you because I, I think you're giving me a speech when I just kind of asked you a question and I just I, I apologize oh, for interrupting. But you're saying that I might benefit because I would be better at free association, uh, at following non-linear paths of thinking. But it would seem to me, and, and you, people can tell me in the chat room if I'm wrong, um, it would seem to me that, and this is just one example out of many that I could think of, it would seem to me that the Dream Analysis podcast, which I've been meaning to get back to and I, I certainly do miss, but the Dream Analysis podcasts do follow nonlinear paths of thinking where there's a lot of free association of images and thoughts and ideas and insights, uh, and I've never done any of those on drugs. And so it would seem to me that it's not an either-or, right? So if you're not on drugs, you can only think in a sort of linear, empirical, progressive, syllogistical manner. But if you're on drugs, you can think in a more spontaneous manner. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I'm not trying to suggest, though, that one without having taken drugs uh, can ha- uh, cannot have you know, a, an excellent ability at, at deciphering uh, sort of the very complex metaphor uh, that that arrives um, most most prominently uh, in in dreams. Uh, I'm saying that those kind of metaphors come up um, only, uh, or uh, the majority of them come up in our dreams when when we're asleep. And I would say that uh, that kind of uh, dream experience uh, can then be achieved with with the consciousness that that comes with being awake, um, essentially. But when I'm analyzing the dreams, I'm obviously not asleep myself, and neither am I on drugs. And I'm not trying to say that you're wrong. I'm just saying that um, there's an example of free association that does not require uh, any uh, any drugs. Because we're, we're exploring metaphors, right? I'm sorry? Uh, you're not coming up with the dreams. Uh, you're, you're analyzing them. And so, uh, you know, it wouldn't be something... Oh, it's less creative. Is that what you mean? Uh, yes, but a yeah, very... I, can, uh, I agree with you there, for sure. Sorry to interrupt. I, I completely agree with you that it is much less creative to analyze a dream than it is to come up with it. So we can shift examples if you like. That, to me, was an example not of creativity, but of nonlinear thinking, because some creativity is quite linear, and some uh, non-creativity is nonlinear. Um, I don't know if you've uh, read uh, um, any of my poems or novels, uh, but uh, I've also... Uh, a, a poem or a novel in particular, a novel is a kind of lucid dream in a way, right? Uh, and so I've certainly, uh, you know, whether you think they're good or bad, there certainly is some uh, some creativity in the creative writing that I do, uh, which, of course, I've never done on any drugs. And I've actually found, uh, I actually tried to write a poem after having one light beer and couldn't come up with anything. I actually find it completely interferes with um, uh, my creative uh, side. Um, but, uh, it, sorry, go ahead. I understand that, but I feel that you're um, kind of, uh, maybe I'm miscommunicating a little bit, but what you're saying feels to me that, that it would suggest that I believe that, you know, all wonderful authors must have uh, had drug experiences in order to produce the wonderful works. Well, perhaps, sorry, perhaps you could distill what it is, sorry, sorry to interrupt, perhaps you could distill for me what it is that you are arguing, because I feel like I'm responding to stuff and you keep telling me that that's not your point. So perhaps you could distill for me what your point is, because I don't want to keep missing in my responses. Um, 
You know, I may I may have failed miserably uh, in communicating a coherent point. No, that's fine. Um, I, I may have I may have mis- misunderstood. So I'm I'm happy if you want to take another swing at it. Okay, so so to to make it as concise as possible, then. Um, I'll yeah, maybe maybe the best way to do it is to to talk about um, the ability to appreciate aesthetic and. and because of um, of the way that you're able to perceive the world um, on cert- uh, during certain drug experiences, uh, uh, there's an aesthetic um, aesthetic aspects of the world that you're able to appreciate it in a sort of unique way. Uh, and and my and I have a feeling, you know, of course I'm not sure about it, um, but I have a feeling that uh, that having had those aesthetic experiences that that are enhanced. Uh, or, or unique to the drug experience um, would contribute uh, in some sort of significant way to uh, to a person's ability to appreciate uh, aesthetic. Do you mean, uh, well, I don't mean to, to diminish what you're saying, but you mean sort of like if somebody's on uh, acid or I guess certain potent strains of marijuana, that they can see music, uh, it, like Northern Lights, or like it's like they can see music. Is is that? I, I know that that's a cheesy way of putting it, but is that sort of what you're referring to? Some something along those lines? No, because that's that's a little too unreal. I mean, that seems to me very subjective, and, and I'm talking uh, m- more about uh, some uh, objective uh, aspects of beauty. Maybe like a, seeing something of of a massive size uh, and and appreciating. Uh, the the way that it uh, it makes you so small in comparison, um, or or just the beauty of particular colors and the way that they uh, they match together, um, and you know that communicating something to you that you wouldn't probably have been able to see as easily or at all. Uh, right. I think I think I maybe I understand. I, I think it was in two thousand and four. I um, uh, I put together a package to to apply for a Microsoft uh, um, award for creative software or whatever, and we were a finalist. Uh, the the company I was working for at the time, we were a finalist, and and myself and the CMO and the CEO, well, CFO went down to uh, to the lecture down here in Toronto to to for the awards presentation. And um, I was there a little bit early, and, and down on the lakeshore here, they have a uh, these giant windmills, you know, which are supposed to be for generating electrical power. These things are I – I have no idea what the size is, but gyfracken tyrannosaurus normus would be the phrase that I would use to describe these things. And I actually was able to walk so that I was standing underneath this giant-ass propeller in the sky – and it swept over and over and rotated, and it would look like it was coming down so fast. The blades, these huge blades, it looked like they were coming down so fast that they were going to behead me. And then they would just rip up with this huge gust of wind. They would rip and roar back up into the sky, and there were three of these blades rotating at a fairly fast clip. It was quite windy that day. And standing under there was just – ast- it, was, it was literally like being Marie Antoinette over and over and over again. It was quite – a, uh, a staggering experience, and I've, I've always sort of remembered that. Uh, and now, of course, I wasn't on any any drugs, but I just I found that to be a very stirring and and wild experience. Is is that the kind of stuff that you're um, you're talking about? Uh, yes, yes, and um, and I feel that uh, that you can have those those sort of experiences um, 
not all the time. I mean, that that sounds very particular, and and you know, of course, that came very close to you, and it sounds uh, very intense, uh, especially because it's kind of uncommon. But I think that you know, you could go to to a particular mountain range and uh, and not be able to, I guess, have the the awe or or the appreciation uh, that you might otherwise have for it, and just just to even see. I mean. And really, what I'm getting at uh, is that, you know, if you were to say that there were some sort of uh, of enhanced appreciation that, that would be wonderful, uh, you know, then, of course, I, I would ask, uh, you know, how is the extent of, uh, of its negative effect, uh, you know, so great that, that it's a deterrent to you? Well, but the negative effects of, of drugs are pretty well understood. Uh, and so I don't think we need to go go into them here. Obviously, there are legal effects, which I don't agree with, but the legal effects are, you know, you could end up in jail. Uh, you, of course, don't know where the stuff is mixed or how it's made, so you could end up with something impure or dangerous mad- added in because it's black market stuff, right? So it doesn't go through the same quality tests as your vitamin pills do. Um, there can well, I, be I uh, adverse... Re- I'm sorry? I personally do not do hard drugs. Uh, and, and if I do, I, that's not very specifically what I'm talking about, other than perhaps like a hallucination or something. But I'm saying, you know, even just smoking a joint um, and uh, and being in, in a wonderful place, just to, just to see, or or just uh, not not being in a wonderful place, and uh, you know, as you would have a glass of wine, and and is it then uh, just legal uh, in that case? Um, yeah, and I, I honestly, I don't know, I don't know the because I've never tried any drugs. I don't know the degree to which. Pot is like a glass of wine. Uh, I don't think that pot is like a glass of wine. I really don't, because otherwise you just have a glass of wine, because it would be legal, right? So I assume that there's some difference between pot and a glass of wine, because the, it's not. I mean, I can have a glass of wine uh, and be, you know, perfectly coherent. I can, I can drive. I'm, you know, perfectly. I'm not hallucinating. I'm not seeing colors. I'm not. Don't get the munchies. I don't get. There's no bad trips with a glass of wine, which you can have even with well, a single I joint. Exactly one glass of wine. I, I meant to equate it to, you know, going to a dinner party and, and, you know, getting getting a little bit drunk, but having wine with friends as a social sort of thing. Yeah, I don't really have wine with friends as a social thing. Uh, occasionally, uh, I'm. I mean, I haven't. I don't. I haven't touched alcohol in like probably. Since, since the barbecue, I guess, five five or almost six months ago. So I, I have a couple of drinks a year. Uh, I don't really socialize because I, I want to really be present uh, to the people that I'm spending time with. And that doesn't mean I won't have a beer. I think I had a beer or two at the barbecue uh, over the course of a couple of days. But I really want to be present with the people that I'm interacting with or that I'm spending time with. I don't want to be distracted by an experience that is not natural and organic to the situation. Uh, I think that to me, drugs would be a distraction from the intimacy that I'm trying to achieve with people. And to me, there's nothing more delightful than um, than listening and talking and enjoying another person's company. Like if, I don't know if you were listening earlier in the show, but we had uh, a fellow uh, and his uh, his um, girlfriend, uh, it's too, too small a word, girlfriend, his lover, his, his companion uh, dropped by and I had a perfectly delightful chat with them. And I can't, I can't think how that would be improved. I can't think how that could have been a better chat or a more enjoyable chat. Or if, if only I, I was seeing tentacles come out of my belly button, uh, it would be better. I just, for me, I, it, it, the way that my neurological system, my sense organs work, the way that uh, it all happens there's nothing that needs to be changed or added to it for me. There's just nothing that needs to be added. To me, there's a fu- the fu- one of the fundamental pro- – I haven't talked about this before, but one of the pro- fundamental problems that I have with drugs is that it is a statement that says 
being organically human is not enough. Being organically human is not enough. Who you are when you're not under the influence of a mind-altering substance is somehow deficient in some manner. It's not as good as it could be. It's not quite right. And to me, it's just a mark of lower self-esteem to have that opinion that there's something that needs to be fundamentally changed in how you perceive the world in order for that enjoyment to be increased. I don't find that's true of myself. I don't find that I sit there thinking, gosh, if only something were altered in my perceptiveness or in my perceptions, if only that were the case, I would really have a better time or experience here. Like when, you know, people came up uh, to the uh, the barbecue or some people are going to drop by for Christmas. I I think back on that barbecue and the barbecues that we've had, and I I don't sit there and think, if only we were stoned, it would have been so much better. Because it couldn't have been better. There was nothing better that could have occurred during those, those times of social interactions. Which doesn't mean that everybody was perfect and it was all perfectly flawless. It just means that for me, it couldn't have been better. I mean, I, you know, when I'm playing with my daughter, I don't sit there and say, if only, you know, <laughs> I was stoned, this would be so much better. Uh, if I'm looking at a beautiful sunset or a great work of art, or I'm listening to beautiful music, I don't have the thought within me, if only my perceptions were fundamentally altered in some way, this would be so much better. It is perfect the way that it is. It is without flaw. It is without deficiency the way that it is. A great conversation is without deficiency as it is, as it stands, it is not missing something. It is not short of the mark. It is not falling short of the mark. It is perfect in the way that it is. And that to me is a very important thing to hang on to because the moment that I feel that something is imperfect in an interaction or an experience, I don't think, well, let me correct this with drugs. I think, well, let me correct this with better thinking, with greater intimacy, with a more openness to the beauty of the world and its experiences. I think of correcting the deficiencies Within my own thinking, I don't think of messing up my own perceptions to fix things. Uh, And that's, I I don't like the implicit statement that being who you are is deficient in some manner in certain circumstances, which then needs to be patched or filled up with drugs. I think that is looking for an external solution to the problem of enjoying the moment. And I think that we can get there uh, without, uh, without those drugs. So... I'm sorry to cut you off, and I'm sorry to end that with a speech, but I just wanted to um, check in case anybody else had any other uh, questions or, um, or comments that, um, uh, that they wanted to add um, uh, uh, before we close down the show for the week. So if you'd like to ask a question, you can put it in the chat room. Uh, if you would like to chat, you can unmute yourself, or we can call you if you would like. Thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, Thank you so much. It was a very interesting question. Thank you. All righty. Well, I, 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 this has nothing to do with this fellow in particular, of course. I don't know. I don't have any idea who he is. But I, I do think that um, uh, it's, it's an inflammatory statement. Whether it's true or not, I'm not going to say it's, it's just a thought that I have. Uh, I think that some people get into drugs because they've done things that they're not proud of and they can't enjoy themselves as they are because they don't like who they are. Uh, And maybe it's a bad conscience that leads people into feeling that something is missing or deficient from their experience that they need to prop up with drugs. Um, I I think a lot of this world is founded on bad conscience. Uh, A a lot of dysfunction in this world is founded on on people who've done bad things who don't want to, um, who don't want to sort of fess up to themselves who they are. But, uh, Again, that's just a theory. I'm certainly not uh, not going to hang any kind of reputation on that. 
All right, last call for questions, comments, issues, uh, any any thoughts about recent shows, uh, and you could just jump in for a second or type uh, what you've liked, uh, what you didn't like. Um, I'm uh, I'm sad that the um, <laughs> I shouldn't say that I'm sad that I shouldn't laugh because I don't know if this is true or not. But this is just a thought that I had. I'm I'm sort of sad that the woman who said I'm so hot that all I can be is a dominatrix um, didn't drop by for a chat. Though I have trouble believing that that is a very real post, but. Um, <laughs> I think those who've read it will know what I mean. Uh, but um, uh, if it is a real post, I apologize. But if, it doesn't seem like a real post to me. And I certainly wasn't expecting her to drop by. But there's a post that was made. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so hot that I'm going to be a dominatrix because nobody will hire me for real. I don't know. It just didn't, didn't seem very real. And this is somebody who says, uh, well, people just relate to me in a sexual manner. And all I'm going to talk about is my desire to be a dominatrix. Anyway, we'll see. Perhaps this person will drop by or not. We shall find out over time. That was actually me. That was you. Well, actually, you should be a dominatrix of all the people that I can think of. It should be you. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't think we have any other questions or issues, so we can stop, I guess, just a few minutes early. Oh, how nice to have that kind of flexibility and not be lashed to the camera like a bad sailor to the front of a ship. Oh, we need we need the announcement. 60 seconds. 60 seconds to go. Try and milk it out to the last syllable, you bald bastard. <laughs> um, I would just like to remind people that I did do an interview with the um, Motorhome Diaries fellows, uh, which is available on YouTube, of course. And uh, I will post the link to that in the chat room. And uh, uh, I'd like to thank them. Uh, they were very enjoyable and uh, uh, were very polite about my incessant patter of bad jokes and uh, we're very gracious uh, and uh, oh as he of course she's going to be in a fancy dress dress for christina absolutely absolutely positively lutely as they say so i'll post that link you might want to check it out it was definitely a fun uh, fun group to chat with and uh, um so i'll put that in. thank you everybody so much for your support oh yeah there is a beta version of the new site that is up uh, yes, actually, I don't think there's any particular harm with people going and having a look. There's certainly nothing in there. I will put a link to that in the um, in the chat room if you would like to um, take a poke at it. Uh, it is, uh, you know, very early and may not even be the uh, eventual architecture, but um, this is what we uh, uh, this is what we have as a possibility. So I'm sure everybody will be completely thrilled and will spend the rest of the evening doing nothing but having a look at the. Um, uh, at the uh, the beta of the site, and uh, if you have any comments, of course, please, uh, as always, do let me know. And have yourselves an absolutely wonderful week. Thank you for your donation support, and uh, it was great to hear from Rod and Amanda again. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. <laughs>